This is Channel 253. In this episode of What Say You? I would like a year from now that you two would feel like you were genuinely treasured for who you are, for what you contribute, and, you know, regard that every citizen would have that feeling. We need that in America. That's how we rebuild America. That's what's really at stake right now, that we choose not to go where Donald Trump is taking us. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. What say you? Real sisters. Real talk. What say you? Down-to-earth conversations between sisters about life, work, family, and the pursuit of an anti-racist community. Hi, I'm Audrey. And I'm Melanie. What What say say you? Oh, my sister, how are you? Oh, I'm good, sister. So glad. Audrey Louise, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited for this show today. Oh, my Now, you know I'm excited Mm. because um, I think I told you earlier, I was feeling a little uh, lethargic today just because of everything that's going on. And and I'm just ah, not exhausted, not um, not depressed, just just I'm spent. So this is I'm excited about this, though, right here. Because we actually have the opportunity, you know, we talk so much about voting and we talk so much about uh, understanding and being aware and being woke on what's going on around you and who are the people you're voting for and make your vote count. And today we get to get some insight into one of our candidates for Pierce County Executive and up close he has taken the time, yes. time, which he did not have to, by the no, way, no, no. to come talk to us. So therein lies my excitement. Is that where you're at, too? Yeah. Oh, I'm absolutely there. Now, you know, our episode title today is called Good Trouble. And so okay. I um, was feeling some kind of way uh, the last episode about the current um Pierce County executive. And remember, we had that conversation about that tweet that he sent yeah. out and uh, named a staffer. And yeah. then a lot has fallen out. So I was really taken aback because this job, Pierce County executive, that's the CEO of the county. I mean, you know, they, they, the head of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like this, especially for this season that we're in, we've got the global pandemic, the health crisis with COVID, and then we have this national epidemic of overt racism going on. We have got to be um, really intentional with... Um, our leadership, you know, yes. the people that we are hiring. So folks, listeners, when we vote, we are hiring this um, person. And the county exec per- that has the job, the incumbent, and again, his name is Bruce Dahmeyer. I asked him to come and be with us today. Twice yeah, this both both candidates yeah we asked both candidates i asked him because i said i would because we're not talking about him we just want to know we because we agreed that that act of naming a staffer and that kind of stuff was just poor leadership absolutely that was it was we're going to keep it in the leadership category so we remain with that that's some leadership question but today I just want to say that Larry Sequist is here and he heard our last podcast when we talked about it and he sent me an email and um, I'd already talked to you before because I was like, I want you to be 
on our podcast. And here we found ourselves a real live opportunity now to um, introduce you to the voters and ask for this job because I think it's up for grabs. And you um, showed that in the poll. I mean, like in your actual pre-election results, you did really good. So thanks for being here and uh, welcome. Thank you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So we're gonna um, make this like a job interview. We, uh, right. we already said that. And uh, Audrey, we'll just be the, the, the panel that, that HR said. <laughs> HR said could go out and interview and then bring back the recommendations, if you will. So let's okay. go there. All right, Larry, so please just, um, if you will, introduce yourself to the voters. Give us your, um, like, context of who you are. Sure. Again, my name is Larry Sequist, and thank you both for having me. I really appreciate it. I love the fact that you do this podcast. And, uh, by the way, focusing on voting my wife, let me start by introducing my wife, who is a brilliant woman writer. Her website is carlasequist.com, and she just published this wonderful piece in Medium about how important it is to vote. Uh, just just a great, a great That's piece. That's awesome. So my wife, Carla, and I live over in Gig Harbor. We moved here after my Navy career. I, was, I started life as a farm boy in Idaho and Oregon. We were poor dirt farmers. And uh, my wife uh, grew up in uh, Chehalis, uh, just you know, halfway between Seattle and Portland. And uh, we actually met back in Washington, DC. She became, uh, I went back to see in San Diego and uh, she came out with me to San Diego and became the equal opportunity officer for the city of San Diego. Uh, when Pete Wilson and the city had a consent decree. Uh, So uh, Carla actually uh, hired the first women firefighters, first female trash truck drivers, wrote the first sexual harassment policy, municipal policy in America. So she's a brilliant woman. Then she became a writer. She's a playwright and and, uh, writer. I spent 32 years in the Navy, I enlisted in the Navy, uh, then got a commission and uh, ended up as the commanding officer of a number of ships, four of them, including the battleship Iowa. What's relevant about that, uh, Melanie and Audrey, is that during my Navy career, I got a lot of experience running large public organizations. both at sea as the ship captain of the battleship with a crew of 1600. And then in the Pentagon, I was fortunate enough to be, uh, you know, the, the leader or deputy leader at various levels of organization, usually associated with strategy and budgets. Mm-hmm. So I also bring to you two job interviewers. <laughs> well, what I'm going to tell you is my resume is I've got a lot of experience managing organizations. I've got a lot of experience about the strategy of where you go with an organization and a lot of experience with budgets. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And a- after my Navy career, it was two more steps. Uh, I, as I finished my Navy career, I was right at the end of the Cold War. I'd been doing strategy, peace in the world. And at the end of the Cold War, we realized, as you remember back in the 90s, we had all these little wars burning around the world. I spent 10 years working with the Director General of UNESCO in Paris traveling to war zones, helping local people work their way out of the war into peace. And that taught me a lot, including, by the way, about racism, uh, about how local communities can bring themselves out of peril, like the peril we're in here in America now, and come forward. That work got the attention of some people in the United States, and I started working in American communities here 
including in Seattle back around 2000. And another time when I really got immersed in my first real understanding of structural racism in a community came during that period of time. And then I ended up when Carl and I, after my Navy career, we moved out here to Gig Harbor, settled, uh, you know, put my anchor down here in Gig Harbor and um, ended up, uh, you know, with eight years in the legislature. Uh, so recent time for me, I've, I've been involved a lot in, uh, in homelessness, uh, you know, the community levels, county level issues of social services. Hmm. Okay, so I so Audrey, can we reflect on that? Because I, I would like to talk about what's relatable. How how did how do you what say you? I say um, well, first of all, I one of the things I told Mel before we before you even got on, Larry, was that I was impressed that you reached out and that you had listened to our show. Sure. And uh, and we had uh, asked a very specific question at the end of that show when we were um, saying that we were going to extend an invitation to both candidates. And that was, you know, are you anti-racist or not? Yes. And very specifically, if you have to squirrel around the question, don't bother. <laughs> right. And we want, you know, either a yes or no answer. And so I, I was very um, encouraged. <laughs> yes. And, you know, you started off with, I am anti-racist. I am anti-racist. <laughs> so that right, that right there, um, that right there for me spoke volumes um, already. And um, before we get into the um, specifics of how you can so say, that you're anti-racist. I do want to ask, what is your motivator for running for this office? What do you, what, why? Audrey, great question, of course. And because I've unretired myself to do this. And I'll tell you why it is. After a, a lifetime, a career in public service, uh, in the Navy, you know, in various communities, teaching strategy. Uh, I'm a career public service person. I see, frankly, everything that I spent my life trying to create, a better America, America in which it's, all of its citizens are participating. I see all that at risk. And I simply could not sit on the sidelines and let it happen, especially when I felt like looking at the Pierce County executive role, that I've got the skills, back to the job interview. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I've got this, I'm at the, we, all of us, we are standing at the right moment of history to do something. And the place you do something, I believe is bottom up. That's democracy right. is grassroots up. All politics are local. And Pierce County is a wonderful lump of democracy. You know, it, we've got, we're headed for a million people, 23 cities and towns, 15 school districts, you know, 19 policing agencies and 230,000 employers. The Pierce County executive has an opportunity to help lead this lump of democracy, this package of grassroots democracy to a better place, to, to where we all, where the, where the Constitution said we should be. Mm. And so my opportunity here is to help all of us rebuild America starting one county at a time. I think you rebuild democracy one county at a time. And for us here, this is an opportunity. And as I said, I think I've got the experience the various managerial, political, budget, economics. I just happen to be standing at the right place to be useful. And I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and read about it. I'm, I'm aligning with your Navy experience. Okay. I really appreciate that because that was my first real um, professional 
um, job out of college. Mm -hmm. I worked for the Department of the Navy, the Navy resale part. So the ferry oh. and exchange. Yeah. And I was an equal employment opportunity officer. So I got a okay. chance to, yeah. um, I was the deputy. And so reporting to the CEO. And so what you said about democracy coming from the bottom up, that's exactly how equal opportunity officers are trained. You resolve complaints at the lowest level possible. And so if we can get at the grassroots of things and, and with your ability to strategically, you know, see the bigger picture, I'm super encouraged by what I'm hearing. And you know, Audrey, the important thing to talk about, people think that a ship captain is this autocrat, you know, he's got the chair on the right side, the starboard side of the bridge wing on the, in, on the, in the pilot house of the ship. The fact is that an American commanding officer, the crew each is another citizen. Each one of those crew members is an American citizen with a vote. And ships and large organizations don't run because the captain says what to do. They run because everybody is doing what they think should be done. And the captain's trying to make sure that things don't get in their road. So there is a, there is a lot of value, I think, that you learn even from what seems like you know, a power structure of the military that is actually democracy in action in America, in our military. Yeah. Well, here's, a, here's another classic interview question. Okay. So you've gone through, um, you know, the election process up until now. Mm -hmm. And so you against the other guy. And so... Why you? Why would why would my vote or anyone else else's vote be cast for you? So it's a great question, audience. Here's the way I would answer this. Here's what I suggest might be the three the roles and ask yourself: uh, Am I or another candidate? Uh, capable of filling these roles. The, the most concrete uh, responsibility, duty of the county executive is to be the senior executive of an organization with more than 3,000 employees, uh, you know, two and a half billion dollar budget. Uh, and what you will get me from me is somebody who is experienced at helping that whole organization thrive. I, you know, organizations that I've worked with, I've got a long track record of being successful in helping professional public servants, uh, you know, thrive, do a good job. So the contrast with me is you'd find somebody who was really using, admiring, trying to help that organization work well. Another responsibility of the county executive is to be the strategist looking across the whole region and working with Sound Transit, the Health Board, Pierce Transit. The, the, the exec sits on all kinds of boards, kind of steering things. And again, what you'll get with me is somebody who's really interested in, in those uh th those strategic questions. I teach strategy, have taught strategy. Uh, for grad students at Evergreen. But the third, and I think the biggest role is to see the whole county, as I said, this, this democracy building block that the county with new, headed for a million people, all of these different organizations, cities, towns, fire districts, somebody needs to help that whole people envision their future. Uh, so that they can do what they want to do in their organizations successfully. So I think that's what you would get with me as somebody who is very interested in making sure the organization worked, very interested in the strategy of where we were going, where these other organizations were going, and especially interested, and here I can be very specific, I'm very alarmed that if we look at the 
uh, in Seattle and Portland and how Trump is exploiting uh, uh, protests and turning them into violent confrontations. We want to make sure that that doesn't happen in Pierce County. We want, regardless of party, we need to make sure that in Pierce County, there is a public forum where people are talking together, that we're, we're not going to fall into that violence. And in my experience as a military strategist who's watched and worked in violent countries, we're so close. This is so fragile that I think it's powerfully important right now that the executive candidate is trying to make sure that we keep we keep calm, we keep focused, and that out of this we bring a prosperous, peaceful, you know, better Pierce County forward. Mm-hmm. What about the uh, people part of the job? I'm interested, you know, like your team, your executive team, because from what I heard or read in the newspaper, uh, and I was like, you ain't heard it from me. I ain't one to gossip. But I, <laughs> but I heard <laughs> that uh, the current county executive uh, C-suite, if you will, is is all white or like close. Well, to- it is now. There is a woman I understand from that's one of the one of the tribe. The Puyallup representative I understand is very fine. Okay. But, yeah, that that's that's my understanding. That would not be the approach, uh, and it wouldn't be. Let me tell you bluntly, it would not be just a matter of making sure that 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 equity diversity was represented in proportionality. I'm looking for the energy, the expertise, to make sure that the people who are in that organization who know what they're doing are, are able to thrive and that we really have the Black views, Latinos, the Asian Pacific Islanders, uh, immigrant voices, they're not there just to be represented, but they're there with their experience, their voices. Mm -hmm. One good place to tell that is in homelessness. As you guys probably know, in Pierce County, homelessness is radically disproportionate Black. Right. Depending on whose numbers you use. And by the way, the county's numbers are dreadful. One of the things that needs to happen is the county is absorbing information and not giving it back out in useful forms to the public. But the the information about homeless clearly shows that, that black families are becoming homeless four to seven times more frequently, disproportionately than white families. That's wrong. And it's not just wrong, it's damaging to our society, to our, our county. Now, the, the reason you connect this back to the county is be the county is the organization through which flows federal money, state money, other kinds of money. The county passes that money out uh, in t- to the various nonprofits. Well, we need to ask ourselves, not only is the staff diverse, but is the result of the programs actually helping address that problem? That's right, right now, the numbers say no. The county is running a racist homeless support system. Right? Because Black families, Latino, even worse for Latinos in some cases, are disproportionately homeless, even though we're spending money. I don't see any, I just don't see the numbers. I don't see decisions happening that are explicitly trying to say, that's a problem. Let's make sure this program is addressing that. That's something that we can do. That's fixable. Now, um, I'll give you short answers in the future. I'm sorry. It's okay. No, it's okay. You're passionate about it, which is why I'm sucked in. I'm like, okay, I want to hear more about this. Yeah, this is my, when we're quiet, that's good, because we're listening. Okay. <laughs> yes. Now, as um, as the Pierce County Executive, what is the interaction and or oversight when it comes to um, the police? Like, 
sheriff, Pierce County sheriffs or PPD or Puyallup or how does that all work? Yeah, I agree right now, as I understand it, we've got uh, 19 police departments in the county and God knows how many other little federal agencies, marshals, folks around here. The county, the sheriff is an elected position. So the sheriff is running both the policing with the sheriff's deputies across the county and the corrections side. Uh, it, and it has considerable authority over that department. The executive consulting with the sheriff is supposed to build and manage the budgets. I learned just yesterday that uh, I was astonished to learn, since I'm a, bu a budget guy, um, that even though the sheriff is nominally in charge of his budget, the sheriff has to go on me and, and beg money, you know, to buy a new anything uh, from the executive. Uh, and so back to your basic question, Audrey, the, the budgeting for the sheriff's department is started with or managed, packaged with by the executive. You, you want to make sure you're helping that sheriff understand, you know, or understand what the sheriff needs, what the community needs. So Let me jump over to social justice. Can, but just on that note, okay. can you make your point about, because um, one of the things that um, disturbed me last time uh, with the person that's in office was the position about defunding the oh. police. Let me be clear about defunding the police. I'd, I'd love for you to have a word on, you know, what say you about that? You know, what say you about your position on defunding the police? Right. Clearly, defunded police, particularly, and of course, Trump is now using this as a, as a bludgeon uh, on everybody. I'm not in favor. We need good police. But if you, and, and this is, I'm a white guy, so I don't have the experience that an African-American citizen or a Latino citizen has walking down the street. Not only do we need good policing, but every citizen needs to be able to walk down the street and be confident that that interaction with a cop is going to be healthy and normal and not ominous. What I do believe is that we need to rethink our whole system of justice from end to end. Uh -huh. What the laws are all the way to the other end. Here, job interview, ladies, I have actually run from end to end. I've helped write laws. I have run as a Navy captain the justice system. I've run the jail and police department for a small city, 1600. I've put people in jail. I've sent people to federal prison. I've worked in Washington state's prisons, both men and women. I've worked on prison reform, education reform. I've even sat on the pension board for retired police. Wow. So I've, I've lived from end to end from what the laws are to what happens, and particularly helping former felons come back out of the system and start their lives. So what we, I think what we need to do is make sure that our police are able to be police about crime and keeping everyone safe and protected. But we've got to put a lot, we've got to change the priorities of what those laws are incarcerating way too many people. America's got too many people locked up. You guys know these numbers better. One third of all black men will be in prison in their life. That's, that's unspeakable. It is. Okay. That has to stop. We've got to provide the cops with more backup for social services, mental health, drug counselors, so they're being police. One of the things I would do is, is increase the number of patrol deputies, but I would back them up with regional local offices around the county so that the drug counselors and the, you know, those kinds of social support people were, were close at hand to help those deputies out in those broad rural areas. Here's an idea for you. 
we're about to find out in the next week or two that task force is supposed to come in with some new reforms. We'll see. What I'm proposing is that we would gather citizens and some police officers, some experts, social service experts, and put together a basic set of principles about how our justice system should work and vote on it. Take it to the public in Pierce County and say, this is what social service justice, social justice would look like. This is what we expect so that each one of those 19 police departments, 23 cities and towns, as they negotiate policing, they would have this broad framework and they would know that this is what the public in, in Pierce County wanted. Mm-hmm. To, to, to get that, let's get a commitment. The, it, one way to think about this is building on Black Lives Matter has created for us a historic opportunity to make change. Oh, yeah. Okay, we cannot let Trump destroy that opportunity by turning Black Lives Matter protests and energies into somehow terrorists, as he said yesterday. So I, that's a way to build maybe on the Black Lives Matter, Matter movement. The, the, the opportunity we have is to go to the voters and say, okay, vote. This is what we, this is, these are the standards. These are the principles here in Pierce County. Mm-hmm. And can you please um, say in your own words, Audrey and I said it for you, but just say to the to the listeners that you are anti-racist. Oh yes, I'm. And not only am I anti-racist, a militant anti-racist. I've been working on this back, you know, uh, I, I, you know, since I was in the Navy at various. And one of the things that I should talk with you ladies about and be interrogated by <laughs> is my under the question is lady is my understanding of what it means to be anti-racist actually deep enough rich enough or is it just a white guy who thinks he understands what racism well is it here's how i think about that as a navy captain i was involved in the first time when we turned what was a white racist Navy, started integrating the Navy. About the time, Melanie. What it, year was that? That in was the 1970. Admiral Benoit came in. You remember we had, out of coming out of Vietnam, the Navy had some real problems. So did the Army. We had black sailors that were really unhappy. And thank God, uh, Admiral Zumwalt said Navy's going in a different direction. So as a commanding officer, four times in a row, I went in to, to or, reorganize a ship to make sure that we were promoting the discipline rates. Everything, you know, was not racist, that we were integrated affirmative action. Hmm. The problem was, as proud as I was about what we were doing, we were at the bureaucratic structural level not really, I think, understanding the inner life of the black sailor, for example. My next level, as I mentioned earlier, was when I was working in the city with the communities of color, I was asked to come back from Washington, D.C. before before we lived here. You may remember back in 1999-2000, the state was going to create the new WASL, the Washington Assessment of Student Learning. Well, the communities of color through my brother, brother-in-law, Dr. Joe Bell, and, uh, and uh, uh, they, okay, they brought me out to work with the communities of color to figure out how did all of the communities of color in Seattle King County re- prevent this testing from increasing the segregation, which it sure did. But that let me understand the, the structural nature of racism in a community. Uh, now, I think what we're seeing ever since, you know, George Floyd is, is finally getting down to the inner, what it feels like for the inner life of someone who is not a privileged white male to just be on the street or to go through life uh, not feeling like, you know, feeling like you're on the defense all the time. 
Well, I think that that, um, I feel in, in <clears throat> I know in interviews, you're not supposed to give a, a biased opinion. Yeah, a, a, an opinion one way or the other about an answer, but. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. I feel encouraged by your answer just for the fact being anti-racist is when you see it, you stop it in its tracks. Yeah. Regardless of where you see it, what it looks like, who it is, what's at stake, you call it for what right. it is. And if and and you do what what's whatever's within your power to squash it. Right. Uh-huh. And so I feel encouraged by your answer because just the fact that you are aware that it exists, number one, that you acknowledge, number two, and number three, that you've worked with it. Yeah. And worked with it, uh-huh. in, um, especially in the naval structure. Right. Which is, um, you know, very diverse because we come from a military background. Uh-huh know that you know in the military settings you were dealing with people from all over so everywhere yeah yeah Yeah. we're we're going to take a break right now uh but when we come back let's continue this part of the conversation because what we're talking about is your leadership and so um that's a segment of what we've got to know about you in this job your leadership style and uh you know why should we follow you we'll be right back This is Alaska Airlines Mileage Plan MVP, Nate Bowling, host of the Channel 253 sister podcast, Nerd Farmer. Hope and I have been in the Middle East for the last year, exploring a new culture. But here's my best travel tip, keeping my Alaska Airlines mileage plan. Here's what's so cool. Alaska has more than 15 global partners, which allows me to earn and use Alaska miles even when I'm not flying Alaska. So when I came home on Emirates on an eligible fare, I earned Alaska miles on that long flight. That means whenever I fly back and forth, I'm gonna be racking up some insane miles that I can use to book future travel. If you have an international vacation planned, you know, after all this is over, check out Alaska Airlines partners like Japan Airlines, British Airways, Cathay Pacific, Qantas, and a whole lot more. Enter your Alaska Airlines mileage plan number when you book with Alaska Global Partners and watch those miles add up toward elite status and your next trip. Many thanks to Alaska Airlines for their continued support of Channel 253. Learn more at alaskaair.com backslash global partners. Listeners, we are here um, back from break talking to Larry Sequist. He's seeking your vote. He wants us to hire him as the Pierce County Executive come November. So uh, Audrey and I decided to, on your behalf, give him uh, a job interview. So that's where we are. You're in the middle of it. And uh, we're switching now to the topic of leadership, leadership style, because or do you remember we talked about people don't quit jobs, they quit their boss, right? Yes, they do. <laughs> they quit they their do. boss. So <laughs> I like that. what kind of boss are you? Or, you know, let's talk about that, Larry. Okay. Uh, and, and may I pick up where we were with anti-racism? It's very important as a leader that I think that we're we're not only being anti and being firm to call out and prevent, and there's a lot of positive action. You've you've got to not only reorganize, but we've got to work on the economics, uh, inclusion. And so I've worked out some some ways in which I think we can can wrap it. We cannot move forward. We will not climb out of this deep economic and virus hole we're in unless everybody is climbing out together. Now, about your point about leadership style, and I think you would find I'm, I'm on the record, this is, is not a mystery because I've been a, you know, a leader uh, in, in view for a long time. I'm a very inclusive, I do not believe that successful leaders are autocrats. If you think that you can sit up on the bridge in the chair 
and just tell everybody what to, to do, you're pretty soon in Navy terms, you're going to find yourself aground on the rocks. What you have to do is walk around the ship and watch what everybody's doing and ask, how can I help them do what they want to do? What do I need to do so that they can do their job? And the starting place is to understand that almost everybody goes to work wishing to do a good job and that when they go home, they'd like to be able to tell the family at dinner what they did that day and that it was, it was satisfying. We not only need an income, we need psychic income. And so I would like to make sure that everybody in the organization feels valued, creative, and there's a lot of things we can do to make sure that the diversity of this 3,000 plus people working for the county, that it really is, everybody's involved, and that we're not just, as I said earlier, not just being statistically diverse, but that we're actually bringing in the ideas, the lived experiences, the wisdom from the black community, Latino, you know, immigrant families. There is a lot of wisdom about what you do we need to tap into. I, I want to ask this kind of um, uh, organizational question mm -hmm. I'd mentioned earlier about the the chief equity and inclusion officer being in HR or reporting directly yeah. to the commander or, you know, so what, what are you, what is your view on that? Where should the uh, equity and inclusion officer go? So Melanie, here's my view and in, in, in experience. It's important to have such a person, but you don't want to have the leader, the manager, the top person say, I'm really doing a good job because I have this equity person, right? And they're going to take care of whatever the problem is. I'll send that memo over to the equity person. It has to be a lived experience. So that equity person should be your conscience. It should be survey that he or she should be looking at the whole organization, measuring things, offering the training opportunities, uh, and making sure that that leadership structure is actually delivering. It should not substitute for the actual line experience. And so, so where on the org chart does it go? That's all I'm asking. Where I don't know. Where, where on the org chart does does this work go? I'm saying it goes to the CEO. What are you absolutely. saying? Absolutely. I know yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it comes out the executive's office, you know, because I, I yeah. that's the Navy model. You know, yes. I reported directly to the CEO. Correct. For, for that for that work. Right. Because it also sends the message that yeah, this is this I agree. That's the a way it's worked with me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I just want to be clear on that. So but everybody needs to be an equity officer. That's all right. the department heads, all the executives, all the sub managers, each one of them needs to feel accountable. Uh -huh. and their numbers are being watched. And not only with the county, not only the, the staff, but are the results of their programs. What I would do specifically is manage, go measure and manage the outputs so that like homelessness and the money we're spending on homelessness, is it actually addressing the racial disparities or is it just going out? You know, we haven't been measuring that in Pierce County, mm -hmm. and I think we should be. Yeah, I like that. You, you, uh, what is it? You success is what you measure. You, no? you get what you like inspect, not what you expect. Uh, okay, I like it. I like it. I like it, sister. What's on your mind? I know you got something percolating. Oh, so here's my next question. Okay. Should you be elected, what is your 90-day plan? The, I think, first of all, I'm a little leery, Audrey, about these, this idea, you know, that we're, we're going to fix everything in 90 days. We're in a very deep hole economically. We've got a long climb out. We've got some long-range things to do. But the things that I would see happening very quickly – 
is a very rapid change in the culture of the way the organization was being run. I would immediately overhaul the budget, uh, the budgeting process. I'm appalled uh, at the lumps of money that seem to be going around here. This, you know, almost two and a half billion dollars. We're going to be on thin rations here. Uh, you know, we're we're in economic hard times. Uh, so overhauling that budget process. Uh, it's a back number number one, making sure that we've got really good people in the staff, that they're feeling empowered. We know where we're going. We're working on the budget. Uh, the thing that I have focused on, and I've got a plan. I'm not as good as Elizabeth Warren for the number of plans, but I got plans. I've got a plan to try to raise the economic level of the whole county by helping everyone who wishes to gain the credentials you need for high paid employment in this modern economy. Uh, and I would like to completely reset the way planning goes, the land use, how we plan taking care of our land, our, our waters and so on by grounding that in, in communities. So what you would have found very quickly within 90 days is a culture of talking with the staff, a staff feeling engaged, the community feeling consulted. There would be a lot of community involvement, a great deal more interaction with the county council. Uh, you know, you would find this engagement going on that we were all working together and that we had a set, we were evolving a set of priorities. Okay. So, and remember back to the big picture that we're not falling into this trap that Trump is trying to set for us. You know, that Pierce County is a place where democracy still works, that we're talking to each other and that we're able, we're steering our own our own course here. So, okay, I would like to ask about uh, innovation mm -hmm. you know, because I'm really not interested in working on any systems that are existing because they've been racist for so, so long. So like, right. it's going to take a while to do that. What, what, um, what innovations do you have to, to do things differently that must go on par at, you know, in parallel time as you're trying to fix what's been broken. Right. For so long. What you got, what, what you got. Yeah. On? My, my biggest opening 90 day innovation is to run a massive countywide effort that puts together 15 school districts, five community colleges, four universities, dozens of union and corporate training programs and starts offering the citizens of the county opportunities to gain credentials. We need to, so that Pierce County, we don't just sit back and say, well, you know, hope somebody comes to bring some jobs here. We're actually turning Pierce County into a high skills 21st century economy. And that's gonna take childcare, transit, all those, those things have to be solved. So I'm proposing the innovative uh, packaging of that problem of something that we all do together. Something that's also in, just inside the county, I, I myself had a wonderful experience once. I suddenly found myself with a set of orders to spend a year in Newport, Rhode Island on the Strategic Studies Group. And the leadership of the Navy had, uh, we were a little male Noah's Ark. And, you know, two aviators, two submariners, two ship guys, and two Marines. And um, we were being given the opportunity to travel the world and come up with answers. I'd like to do something like that strategic studies group, not only with the staff, but with people in the county thinking, how can we solve some of our hard problems? Are there creative things that we could do? That would not only bring new ideas to the fore, it would help a whole generation of young people start thinking about themselves as senior leaders, creative people, build 
you know, build some broad community leaders. Well, there's there's programs, uh, you know, in the community, like the, the Leadership Forum, and then there's the AXIC Scholarship Program right. that's training up leaders. And so I'm just wondering what efforts, um, and, and maybe to your point, is that we're being more collaborative, Palmer scholars, yes. you know, lots of folks that are doing this leadership uh, right. You know, ministry and, but we need to like get it in a united way so I'm, I'm with you on that like the word packaging 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 and yeah. you yes. know it's it's not only packaging i think it's the mental mindset uh when i was in the legislature i was the chair of house hydro higher education and i was on the budget committee and education committees and it was surprising to me this will sound odd i was always puzzled by how passive the general public was about being educated. Even though for my, for all of us, we know that we really want our kids to be well-educated. We know we're living in a knowledge economy where that brain power and those, those skills, not everybody needs a college degree, but almost everybody has to have something beyond that high school diploma. We're leaving mm-hmm. too many kids behind without the diploma, and many of those are black. Uh, and brown kids, you know, the, our system is leaving behind lots of people. So one innovation I would really be working on is, can we turn that around? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's there's some work going on. I just think in the community, we've got to be uh, more diligent about working together, right? Yeah. Knowing what each other is doing so that we can... Yeah. Get- one accord, and so that it, who else but the CEO of the county right. to you know manage that effort, and then work with people that are on the ground. We be knowing Pookie and them that live around the corner that you know they grandmama. You know what I'm saying? We there are people that know these things. That's how right. you get your intel. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. And, and, you know, so there's a real innovation. I think we need to understand exactly to your point, Melanie, that it's not like back in in the Depression or when LBJ was here, the answer was for the government to give us a lot more money out of the existing organizations, the alphabet organizations. Look at we do we still need those government agencies, but they've got to they've got to start working together in new creative ways. And we've got to see the the, the business community, we've got to understand all of these nonprofit church groups, local community groups, and have all of them actually being able to work together. It's not just waiting for the government to come down uh, with some program. So that's one of the real transformations that I see ahead is that we need to create here at Pierce County a way for state, local, uh, nonprofits, corporations, neighborhoods to all work together. And a good place for that is housing, uh, homeless prevention, those kinds of things. Those are neighborhood tasks, not just did somebody downtown have a program with a staffer. That's right. Well, and that's the new system. Yes. So packaged or framed that way. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to, you know, join you in that effort, you know, because, yeah, I'm not interested in nothing trying to be reformed, you know, yeah. or revisited or read, nothing like that. Let's create some new stuff. Yeah. Based on the intelligence that we, you know, all of our lived experiences from now. Sister? Well, I know we've come up, we're coming upon our time. And so um, I'm going to do this like a, uh, a standard uh, interview. Okay. And I want to say, uh, Larry, thank you for your time today. Thank you for giving us insight into who you are why we should vote for you, what it is that you stand for, what it is that you, your experience and background and everything that uh, you would do um, should you be elected. Uh, I think that um, 
Well, this is our podcast, so I can do whatever I want to. Girl, I got one question, though, and maybe you have one, but I I would like in the interview closing, is there anything that we didn't ask you? Oh, my bad. Is there anything that we didn't ask you um, that you would like to um, say to us and our listeners? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you very much. I, I've enjoyed it. I'd talk to you anytime you want to talk, e- either on camera or just over a cup of coffee with social distancing <laughs> and masks. Again, back to my basic point. What the choice here, I think, yes, we're going to choose the next county executive. But I think what really is important is whether we're choosing the future of Pierce County. Pierce County is the basic building block of a democracy. Our democracy is in trouble because of these nuts, not so because of this bizarre, divisive government coming out of Donald Trump and, and what's going on in D.C. Our opportunity is to rebuild America one county at a time starting here. And so that's what I'm suggesting is if you're if you would like me to be in this role, please plan to be involved. This is for us. And I can tell you, you know, as two black women, what we need to make sure that we're not just checking boxes and saying nice things. That I would like a year from now that you two would feel like you were genuinely treasured as, you know, for who you are, for what you contribute, and, you know, regardless that every citizen would have that feeling. We need that in America. That's how we rebuild America. That's what's really at stake right now, that we choose not to go where Donald Trump is taking us. And unfortunately, we've got little Donald Trump lookalikes here that are, would be happy to go in that direction. We have to go a different direction. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. That means we got to get into some good trouble then. Yeah, good right? trouble. Yes. That's right. Absolutely. We got to get into some good trouble, listeners. The uh, good trouble here is vote. Yeah. Be responsible for your vote and then look around your family and take responsibility that others vote. And if you have some voting age kids, get them registered to vote. All right. So it's an all hands on deck situation. This is beyond a campaign. And I learned this this week. We, I was talking um, one of my projects, but the campaign and a movement. You know, the campaign has the the start and the end and the this and the that. But right now, we we've got to force change. So this is a movement, and we need everyone. And the move is the vote. So come on now, come on. And you know, Melanie, it's not, it's, we don't even have to wait. The voting is important, but between now and then is the campaigning. I think it's important to show that camp, that politics is constructive. Yes. That, that okay. you know, the ideas we're talking about, the, the way we think during the campaign about what we want to do, not just what Larry wants to do, but what are we thinking? How would we get there? It is possible, I believe, for political campaigns to be constructive, not divisive. And so that's what we're trying to do for my campaign, is make the campaign itself a constructive experience for our county. Well, I agree. And I think that the more that I hear we, the more that I am inclined to want to be a part of it because you hear I does not include me. So thank you so much for your time today. I have learned a lot. I'm going to vote for you. Thank you. And uh, with eyes wide open. And I thank you for um, letting us see who you are and and so willingly so. Mm -hmm. Appreciate that very much. Yeah. And Larry, I'm also going to say I will vote for you. 
Thank that's you. That's my intention. And uh, to Bruce Dahmeyer and whoever is listening, you're still invited to uh, come and chat with us. You know, we just want to have a conversation. I be I believe that we owe our listeners um, an opportunity to hear from him as well. He has done. So um, that's it for that. And I'm grateful for this opportunity, you all. Sister, so good to see you as always. You too, Mel. Thank you. And thank you so much, Larry. Thank you. And again, you can, anybody can call me or Larry Sequist, Larry at LarrySequist.com. Uh, send me an email with an idea. Talk. I'll talk to anybody anytime. Love, love to. All right. Thank drop you, Larry. Drop the bike. All right, you. drop the bike. Peace. Peace. Oh. Thanks. Yay. Great. Cool. All right. Thank Larry, you. Thank you, Larry. Thank you. I enjoyed that. I'll talk to you too anytime. Thank you for listening to What Say You? If you have conversation ideas or want to follow up on what you heard, please contact Melanie by email at melanie at missmelanie.com. M-E-L-A-N-N-I-E at M-I-S-S-M-E-L-A-N-N-I-E dot com. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. The What Say You podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, and We Art Tacoma. This is Channel 253.